We're glad you're joining us here at Common Thread Online. This is a recording of our community gathering as we do each week to think together about the spiritual journey. At the end of the lesson, we open the floor for discussion, but we'd love to hear what you're thinking as well. On our website are directions to download our app. Once you have it, join the group. What are you thinking? We'd love to connect with you there. Our current lesson is Letting Go. We started it reviewing the distinction between spirituality and religion. Spirituality is inner experience, we saw. Religion is structure, structure to help us toward deeper spiritual experience. Scaffolding, that was one term that I used. Curriculum, that was another. Religion is practical tools to help us rise above evolution brain. It is practices, and it is schedules, and it is people like what we've uh, ordained or licensed and are on our way to ordaining Heather and Sue to do. Support systems to help us tame our evolutionary neurons, help us do the time-tested things that will help us emerge into our higher selves. Also, we have discussed at length on many occasions the historical moment through which we are living, shifting from one way of being a society to another way of being a society. And the same is happening in our religion. We are updating the scaffolding, updating the curriculum. We're going through this deconstructing, reconstructing process that you heard me mention earlier. Now, a beautiful thing that happens in the way that history emerges, if you stand back far enough, as painful as big change feels, his history, historically, keeps offering us a version of better. The process often gets ugly. Change does. The process often doesn't feel better. But again, stand back far enough, and again and again and again, history is offering us better. The better that history is offering religion right now is a new way. It's actually very, very old. We just haven't used it in about 500 years uh, to a new way to deepen our spiritual lives. So in the last 500 year way of being Christian, of being Western really, uh, it was kind of rare to move into those later stages of spirituality that we mentioned a few weeks ago. But what history is inviting us to right now is to reconfigure the curriculum, to reconfigure the scaffolding so that it begins to be unrare, to become commonplace for people to work their way through to the everything connected stages of spirituality. So right now across the planet, we are relearning a lot of ancient wisdom. We are rediscovering a lot of components of the curriculum. And importantly, we are rediscovering our letting go curriculum. It's a time of change. Change is difficult. Things will be different on the other side. But if we do our part, the different will be better. Our religion on the other side of the last Reformation 500 years ago was unrecognizable to the people before it. That's the time that we're living in right now. What emerges after this time will be unrecognizable because we are up to our ears in rediscovering and reimagining and restoring. And eventually, 
everything is connected spirituality will not be rare. So letting go is part of that reconfigured curriculum. Now this is the last week of the introductory section of the lesson, just a little bit more context today and then we'll begin to look uh, at the practical parts next week. I sent this image out in the email on Thursday and I said, find the dinosaur, it's in there. And several people wrote back and says, damn it, it is not. <laughs> several told me there's no dinosaur, I know how to do these things, and there is no dinosaur, Doug, which wasn't my plan, but it did kind of work out the way that I, it's, because here's what we're gonna be talking about. We're talking about it is not hard, but it is very hard to see differently. So, hey, what a great metaphor, you couldn't see it. <laughs> but. You're better, Lindsay. <laughs> Here's the thing about stereograms. Uh, it is not hard to see the dinosaur once you see the dinosaur. Usually when you see it, kind of a head slap moment, oh, that's how you've got to hold your eyes. Oh, that's the thing you've got to do. However, getting from not seeing to seeing, getting to a different way of seeing, yeah, that is difficult. So again, look at this, a perfect metaphor. Next, when we do the practical tool part of the lesson, we'll be talking about letting go of very tangible, practical things, small things. But when we do, it won't be about the things. It'll be about how we see. The practice of letting go of some of the things is actually a practice in changing how we see it, a practice in helping us see differently. We want to see a bigger picture about ourselves. We want to see more than just what our evolutionary brains kick up in our heads. We are not just our ego selves. There is something more. We are those things. You are an ego self. You are an, you are an evolutionary brain. But we are that in the same way that the Grand Canyon is a whole. Okay, it is, but that kind of misses the point. It is more than that. Letting go practices help us see the more than that is embedded in the reality we live in and embedded in this thing we call me. Those practices will help us see what we affirm every week, that we are, every one of us, carriers of the indwelling divine. So here's a cheat. Maybe that's gonna help you see the dinosaur. <laughs> However, I do not think it's going to. <laughs> I stared at this one a long time. Now, I have used this metaphor in enough lessons through my years as a minister. I have learned how to see stereograms. I know how to do it. I know how to configure my eyes. And I looked at this thing for a long time. I could not see the stupid dinosaur. And I had the cheat. <laughs> now, the site said something about how if you zoom the image, you might make by cutting and pasting it a little harder. I don't know what happened. But anyway, Heather obviously also had some problems seeing the dinosaur and she sent me a note and she said yeah I guess I don't have an authentic self so I'm just going to go with my inauthentic <laughs> self <laughs> so she added her own dinosaur I belly laughed when I saw that one <laughs> now in the past the times that I was able to see the image it was because I figured out how to hold my eyes. I learned to focus behind the image, actually to find a focal point as far behind the image as my eyes were in front of the image and then kind of blur them a little bit. And sure enough, with a little bit of eye crossing, out pops the image. 
or I learned to get up so close to the image that my eyes couldn't possibly focus and then keep my eyes in that posture and then slowly move back from the thing. And sure enough, if you do that, a flower or the planet Saturn or some such thing. And when that happens, when you see it, it was there all the time. All I had to do was just look differently. Because it turns out seeing the stereogram is not difficult. Getting ourselves to see the stereogram, okay, that part is difficult. Challenging the neural pathways in our head that are pretty much set around a set of habits of seeing and perceiving a certain way, yeah, that part's difficult. Letting go of our ingrained seeing habits, yeah, that part is difficult. So again, thank you religion, a practical curriculum to help us see differently. Here's what you got to do. You put your nose up there and then you do this. Here's what you got to do. You got to focus behind. Here's what you do. We do the things that religion has given us as a curriculum and quite often out pops, ah, the divine center that we all carry. Oh, that's what you're talking about. Of course, it was there all along. Now, keep going down and that, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. Are you saying yes? The divine center is also in you? Well, you know what? Sure enough, all along. Again, it's not hard to see once you see. It's been there all along. We say it every week. Every one of us carries the indwelling divine. But when we see it, it's a fundamentally different experience. Ah, okay. Or maybe we see, oh, the world is beautiful. Despite all of that stuff that I see, despite the negativity bias that we all carry in our brains, oh, well, saints and sages have been saying it all along, but one day we see it. And then we think, oh, how did I miss that? Everything belongs. All around the spiritual tradition, you hear that all the time. But then one day, oh, how did I not see that? Oh, it's been there all along. Always been there. And then we see it. And that process of seeing what we typically don't see. That is essential for moving forward in the spiritual life. It is essential for deeper and further in. So religion's curriculum comes along and says, here's how you do it. Here's how you see differently. Here's how. Here's how you, in a spiritual way, cross your eyes, blur your depth of vision. Here's how you do it. I ran into this guy, Anthony DeMello. I ran into that pocket-sized little book, The Way to Love, early in my spiritual life, and I found it about the time that I was transitioning from the religion of my childhood that was very traditional American Christianity to what you now see us doing, rethinking our story, rethinking our practices, having our own reformation. He's from India, and he's a Jesuit priest, and he's a psychotherapist, and I read everything this man wrote. Uh, But I think the thing that helped me most was this little book. I've probably read it 10 times uh, because it is pocket size. It really, I'm serious, it'll fit in the pocket. And because each chapter, and conveniently there are 30 of them, so you can read one chapter each day. Each chapter is only about three pages long. So I would read one a night, every night for a month, just before going to sleep. And then I would marinate on it through the night. And that slow format helped me integrate into my life stuff that I told you about on Easter. I had been reading 
our tradition's mystics for a long time. But this little book helped me take all that they said and internalize it and help me take that wisdom and get it from my head into my life. So I knew about mindfulness practice. I'd actually practiced mindfulness practice. But what DeMello did was help me want to do mindfulness practice, help me make it a priority. DeMello is why I organize those morning Zooms where we get together and meditate in the morning because I want to be steady in my practice. And I know I will be steady in my practice if I know you're waiting for me at 6.30 in the morning. DeMello helped me understand, well, what do you know about that? It turns out that it's not just Christians whose religious curriculum will carry them through this process to everything connected spirituality. Because he grew up in a very Hindu context, he could see the wisdom of that tradition as well. Now, I'd grown up with a sense that that was, that was against the rules, but he helped me see past the filter that my religion had put on me. Now, <clears throat> not very many words, but read them every night and percolate on them through the night hours and do that for a month. <clears throat> what DeMello was doing was helping me fuzzy up my field of vision. What DeMello was doing was helping me see the dinosaur. Often what would happen during those months that I would be reading, oh, I see. What I hadn't seen, oh, I see. One of those times, <clears throat> a line in the book that I still remember this many years later, he said this, we see persons not as they are, we see persons as we are. We see persons not as they are, we see persons as we are. When we are locked into our way of seeing, we only see people through the lens of our focal distance. We only see people through the lens of our beliefs. I believe this about you. I believe this about people. I believe this about circumstances. I believe this about stimulus and response. I believe that when you are stimulated that way, you will respond this way. I believe this about the way things are in reality. And so consequently, that's what I see. That's where I focus. We can't help that. <clears throat> we wake up in this world with brains that generate fears. And we wake up in this world with brains that generate strategies to mitigate those fears. And we wake up in brains that attach to those fears and then attach to those strategies that mitigate those fears and we start to hold them with a death grip. It's just the way our brains do stuff. And that dynamic will blind us. That dynamic will create great big blind spots and we will go through our lives unable to see the dinosaur. And one of the primary things we do not see is, ah, I am. Ah, you are divine light. Oh, life is beautiful. Oh, everything does belong. Our fears and our attachments and our strategies, they get in there and they determine where we focus. And so they determine what we notice and they determine what we block out and don't notice. 
And that determines where our work goes and where our energies go and where our focus goes and our thoughts and our decision making and our priority setting. The lives we create are determined by what we see or what we fail to see. And with the brains doing that full time, we can't help but miss the dinosaur. We can't help but miss the greater reality. So I hope you can see by now why letting go is such an essential part of the spiritual curriculum, the religious curriculum. So if we want a deeper life, if we want a better life, if we want wholeness, if we want well-being, if we want the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and so forth, step one is going to be seeing differently. But as we said in the first week of this context setting part of the lesson, seeing differently is not our default setting. To see differently, we have to break up deeply established patterns. The more we live in, the more we live with our distorted vision, the more we see through the lens of our fears and our attachments and our strategies, the more convinced that we become this is reality. This is what real is. So once you are persuaded that this is reality, this is what real is, who in their right mind would even consider letting go? How would I let go of the one and true truth about all things real? So we keep on. We keep on directing our focus. We keep on directing our energy. We keep on making our decisions. We keep on setting our priorities. And we keep on living in a world in which there is no dinosaur. And in that world, we can't see how that person, the one who hurt me, is a carrier of the inner light. Can't see it. We can't see I am the carrier of the inner light. Just can't see it. I'm looking and looking, Doug. I see you say there's a dinosaur there. I don't think there's a dinosaur there. Most of the time we are dead convinced that we are living in and interacting with the real world. And all the while, the dinosaur is right there. All the while, everything is connected is right there. Carriers of the inner light, every one of us, right there. That's what fears and attachments and strategies do. They determine what we see and they determine the world that having seen that, that we go about creating. So, to move deeper into the spiritual life, we need a new, actually again, it's really quite old, curriculum. We need a curriculum that will help us drop one way of seeing, help us fuzzy up our focus, change our depth of perception, and emerge into another way of seeing. And as I have been saying, thank you, religion, because you have given us that. That's what the letting go practices are. Quite ancient. The letting go practices are a way of helping us see what we fail to see. They help us stumble into a different way of perceiving. Well, what do you know? Carrier of the inner divine, that changes things. How did I miss that? Well, here's where the stereogram <coughs> metaphor breaks down a little bit. If you do go home and you do try and look at the dinosaur, when you see it, 
you're going to see it in an instant. You're going to see the dinosaur, or if you choose an easier one, you will see the flower, and it usually happens right there in a moment. You didn't see it, and then bam, you see it. And sometimes in the spiritual life, that is how it goes. Sometimes you have epiphanies. Certainly, we're not going to say epiphanies don't happen. They do. But most of the time, it's a much more gradual process. Most of the time, it's a much more incremental process. Most of the time, we oscillate. <clears throat> we see until not seeing crowds out what we saw. And then we see again, but this time it takes a little longer before not seeing crowds out what we begin to see. And then that oscillating process does tend to move forward, kind of like the tide and the waves. The waves go in and out, but the tide kind of comes in. It's a much more incremental, iterative process. And that process, that moving forward and back, but moving forward, the Buddhists call that enlightenment. By that they mean extinguishing over time, or the actual word is blowing out like a candle. Blowing out the old way of seeing, the old way of being. Slowly coming to see reality more clearly. Less filtered through our compulsive desires. Less constrained by our compulsive attachments and our fears and our strategies. Slowly coming to see, ah, everything is connected. Slowly coming to see, ah, I am. Once freed of my compulsions, I am compassion. I don't do compassion. I am compassion. I am contentment. I am peace. That's kind of how the Buddhists think about it. But Christ as Christians, we talk about the same dynamic. We use different language. We use the term still small voice. If we will quiet the incessant noisiness of those fears and attachments and strategies, if we will quiet our interior driving compulsions, if we will quiet the insistence that we see the world through those attachments and fears, if we will quiet all that noise, sure enough, there is another voice in there. It's a still one, a quiet one, a small one. Start to quiet the external noise, which is why we do the contemplative practices. And we start to experience what Jesus called having eyes that see or having ears that hear. We have eyes that see the deeper reality. We have ears that hear the deeper truth. Now, our tradition has long held all of our saints and sages that discerning the divine, seeing the dinosaur, is less about these grand, big drama, signs, or phenomenon. Sometimes that happens, but more often it's a very mundane, over a long period of time, sponsored by the community, supported by our friends, moving forward incrementally in a very undramatic way. And part of that is we just learn how to be still. We learn how to be quiet. And we learn to adopt a posture of deep listening. And then one day we think, oh, that's been there for a while. Huh, that's been there all the time. And with that, we are now ready for next week. <laughs> because next week when we start talking about the, the spiritual practices, we're going to realize that's what the practices do. They slow us down. They build into our lives this slow, iterative process that eventually culminate in one day us looking up and saying, oh, how did I not see that? Oh, how did I miss that? These practices will help us 
see the dinosaur, help us see our divine centers, help us see one another's divine centers, see how everything is connected and see that everything is made of the same stuff that God is made of. So indwelling divine, may we be seers of the deeper. May we become practitioners of the curriculum of seeing, the curriculum of letting go. Amen. That's the part where you're supposed to say amen to. <laughs> All right. Um, we're going to do things a little bit differently after the lesson today. Uh, but here's the thing that uh, the board would like us to do. Catch up if we are behind. Um, last week, our board approved me eventually coming to you and talking about a potential possibility and opportunity out before us. We're going to try and raise some money uh, going forward in the future, but we're not going to do that yet. Okay, you've got to quit talking to me. Right now, what we need, need to do is just a little bit more catching up because we spent more than we thought we would spend moving in. We've done all the expensive stuff. We've still got some stuff we've got to do. We've got to get some lighting, but the things that are coming up are not going to be as expensive. Uh, but what we do have is some leftover bills. So let's catch up. And then as we move later in the year, I want to talk to you about an opportunity that is before us as a community. Remember what I say all the time. When we invest in community, our love, time, energy, dollars, we get it back. We get it back amplified. What happens in us by being participants in spiritual community is one of the most transformative contexts in which we could be. It's worth the money and the time and the love and the energy and the C word, the commitment that we make to one another. So uh, we always give online, let's do that. Now uh, online folks, we are going to be doing something a little different today. Uh, let me see. Yeah, we're going to do that in a minute. So online folks, we're going to do something a little different in the room today, uh, but uh, online you can be talking uh, about the lesson. You can just go on and take care of that. Let's uh, put our hands on our hearts. Oh, by the way, to get there, uh, go to the front page of our website or the notes right there in the YouTube link and click that. And then to if it asks you for a password, 1417. 1417. If you would, put your hand on your heart. Let's remember that we are, every one of us, carriers of the indwelling divine. And let's extend our hand to the city. Let's look for opportunities to share the divine in us with the people we live and work and go to school with. Amen. God bless you all. You were dismissed. If these recordings help you move forward on your spiritual journey, we hope you'll take an ownership stake in the community and support the health and well-being of the community. Go to our website, commonthreadchurch.org. The donate button is right there on the top. Thank you.